the ups and downs. Um, we just want to thank you so much for taking the time out your busy day and scheduled to listen to Brian 1.0. And I am your host, Carl Dunn, and it is great to be here with you. Really, really great guest. Um, she is she is a trailblazed corporate world um, in an area that is not typical for her women she's such a wonderful job i'll let her introduce herself welcome it's lovna how are you doing today lubna i should say hi carl i'm doing really really well uh thank you so much for taking the time to interview me absolutely thank you for for taking the time to come on go ahead so so basically yeah as you mentioned i uh, my name is lubna and um I have my own consulting firm called Stories and I've spent the majority of my life working for major corporates um, and then I took the plunge and uh, I went on my own a few years ago um, and it's been an interesting journey so far. Awesome, awesome. That is, that's what I was about to ask you. Could you give people kind of a you know, really quick introduction of yourself? So you also was in the corporate world but you're also a mother as well and tell people about that, how that balance of life uh, kind of uh, takes on its own ideology when it comes to being a mother and being in the corporate America and also having ambitions like you obviously had. And then we'll get into some more questions, but I kind of want my listeners to get an idea of how it is. And you're from, would you tell the people where you're from as well? Sure, sure. So I'm originally Lebanese, but I was really in Canada and then I moved back to um, the Middle East to work uh, specifically in various countries in the Gulf area and I'm based in Dubai today um, I uh, I am a mom I say that I'm a mom of four three kids plus a business because I really believe that a business is like raising a child that takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of care um, but I'm just really proud to be a mom and I think, you know, potentially that moms change the world uh, because I think moms are irreplaceable and moms are great leaders. Um, and, and I really think that, uh, you know, every mom who wishes to be in the corporate world or who wishes to be an entrepreneur or to be whatever she likes to be can, can actually make. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and that's a great way to put it the three kids and then the actual business is another child so you're, you're so right um, you have to nurture your business and and bring it into nature as just like you would a child and you watch it grow over time I've been there too as well I had my own personal or brick and mortar business and I watched it fail so you're gonna watch your children fail and I think this is so important and to have those failures to, to be able to learn from and with that being said you know, the first question, I, other than the first one I just asked you, why did you want to become an entrepreneur? Why did you, you know, um, think that this was the good, best route for you? Um, and just kind of unpack that for us a second. Um, so it wasn't always my dream to be an entrepreneur, to be honest. It's kind of just happened. I, uh, I got to a stage where I, you know, wasn't, I didn't feel I was living a life on purpose and I didn't find any meaning in my um, job and I thought it would be best that I actually you know 
just basically live a life that's more on purpose and that has more meaning. And I felt that with the network that I had, that I could uh, just branch out on my own and uh, and do that. And I wanted um, to do something quite unique and different and meaningful. And the reason why I called my company, so I reflected for some time, specifically on the name of of the company and the reason why I called it stories is because um, as I was reflecting on my childhood and what I wanted to do in my life I remember um, that I was raised during the Lebanese war and I remember the lessons that the war taught me and one of these lessons is that on our deathbed the only thing that really matters is that story that we leave behind that we when you know when we're on our deathbed we don't take away with us either our money or our jobs or the homes that we that we buy or any of that really the only thing that you know that stays is is that story we leave behind so i really wanted um i believe everyone has a story but not everyone tells their story in an impactful way and i really wanted to help leaders uh specifically of corporates share their story in a more impactful way and that's how the whole thing and the whole concept started. And uh, yeah, I've been doing that uh, since. Oh, awesome. It's so great to hear that you're, you're not only living your purpose, which I assume that's, you know, part of your purpose from what I gather and what I research, but you're doing it in a way that's so impactful to others. So with that being said, it's a great segue to my next question is, how is has being in a region that has so many barriers um, for women shape your worldview as it pertains to entrepreneurship and as it pertains to like the that you had to come from from being born in the middle of a war, you know? So to be honest, uh, maybe this is not the answer that you were expecting to hear, but I haven't felt um, you know any extreme difficulty just because I'm a woman. I really believe that you know, it's irrelevant whether you're a woman or a man. I really believe that if you have a strong idea and strong will, um, then you just go out and make it happen. Um, I, you know, I've maybe faced a few difficulties here or there when I was in the corporate world, um, but I don't think they were anything, you know, significant. I've always, you know, felt that I was achieving what I wanted to achieve. I think we, in the region, specifically in the Middle East and Africa region, um, we tend to face such issues at a on a more leadership level. Like when you, when you get to ministerial levels, um, there aren't as many women, I'd say. But that's all changing. Like if you take, for example, the UAE, that's changing. The number of women is growing in ministerial positions and there's, you know, the government is pledging to even increase that further. So I think the region is changing very fast. Um, And while the region is changing very fast, I, you know, I haven't felt any extreme difficulty in achieving what I wanted to achieve just because I was a woman. Right. And that's awesome. And for somebody listening to this that may have felt difficulty because of that what would you say to them and obviously your your really internal strength and your energy signature is like mag like so big i can feel it from you know i'm in the states right now but i think that 
that's is that not necessarily i know it's not naivety but you know there are barriers maybe you didn't feel them but there are women out there that, that do feel them and i'm not surprised about your response at all and i feel like like you said and that's that could be said for being a minority in any uh situation especially the corporate world but you've let me just, just name off a few things which you've done and reason why you've, you've been a trailblazer. So you're the board member at the MENA, the Global Women in PR. You're regional head of marketing and communications, Middle East and Africa. You're the public affairs and communications director at Middle East for Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> you're communication specialist, the CSR and public private team leader. You're human resource administration at Strata Act. Uh, Coca-Cola and you were customer service representative at BMO Financial Group and then you went to the Columbia Business School not to mention the University of Ottawa and the Rural Roads University so what I'm saying is that all of these really great accomplishments for somebody that's listening that would like to be in your shoes what that is a woman and that can relate to you and that is from the Middle East and still is in the Middle East what would you say because these podcasts go everywhere you know what I mean so anybody could potentially yeah. listen what would you say to the person that wants to do and achieve some of the things you have since you didn't face as much uh, adversity as some? Not that you face any, but as some may have. So look, I, I did face some, so I'd be lying if I said that I didn't face any, but I'm just saying that they weren't as extreme. I think right. there was one situation in my life where I remember I faced a specific boss um, that was, in my view, not respectful of women uh, but then when you face something like that you have two choices you either zip it and continue working or you just take a stand and you move on and do something bigger and better and that's what I've done I you know as I said in my TED talk um, there's a quote that I really believe in which says a bird standing on a tree is not afraid of the branch breaking because her trust is not on the branch her trust is on her own wings so when something just you just put up your wings and you fly and that's what I did when I faced adversity um, and for the women that I did I'd say um, just don't think of the fact that you're a woman you're just a human being who has ambitions and who's capable and who has an inner light and a story within them and I think that each of us have an inner light and if we choose to actually use our inner light um, and make a chime everywhere it's you know nobody's gonna say you know you're a woman or you're a man or you're a mother or you're not a mother you're just a human being who wants to make impact and if you really believe in what you're trying to do then you just go out and do it wow that is awesome and so much gratitude I, I sense in that and just so much like fearlessness like I love that analogy about you know the bird is not worried about the branch breaking because it's trust is in his in his wings so that's a spiritual connotation to that too you know I think you know as we move into this next generation like you said where corporations are changing um, consumers are changing technology of course has given us the ability to be able to talk across the world and so the world essentially is flat which is a book that I I love or I am going to read eventually. I guess my next question is, um, when did you know? Did you know it a little girl or how, how early did you know that you were going to be sitting at a table full of corporate uh, people and you were going to be running that show? When did you get that inclination? So I think I've always 
since you know I was really really young I've always known that I wanted to not necessarily sit on the table but live a life of impact and I've always known that I had something like a strong will in me and I think the first time that I felt it come to life was when I worked at the United Nations which was I'd say one of my favorite jobs uh, I've worked for the UNDP UND where I promoted social responsibility for a long period of time and public-private partnerships for about a period of five years. And uh, at the time, I think I was around 20 or 21 or something like that. And the first time I felt it was when I actually um, launched a, a book that I wrote that was part of my mandate. And I did that and I sat on a podium with a minister and we were both speaking at the same time. And for me, this was um, the first, I'd say, um, the first time that I saw the light shine, I'd say, because, you know, to be sitting on the same podium with a minister and, you know, alongside a minister is, is, was a big deal for me. Um, and then it just kind of trickled from there. I uh, then moved on to work for Coca-Cola and reported to the CEO there and was part of the leadership team. Then I went on and worked for a bank and did the same and was also part of the leadership team. Um, yeah, I mean, it just becomes part of, I suppose, the, the norm. I think sitting on the table is not necessarily the big deal. I think it's what you make when you sit at the table. It's about letting your voice be heard when you're at the table. I remember sitting uh, on a table once with a very, very influential person. And on that specific table, I was actually organizing the meeting. So I wasn't you know, a participant in the meeting, but rather an organizer because I was the head of marketing communication. And that was a very, very VIP type meeting. So my role in that meeting was to organize it. Um, and then we sat around the table with all these VIPs and I was sitting along with them. And, you know, the most senior person at the table asked a question and then went around the table and started asking, you know, for feedback. So they went from one person to the next, giving their feedback. And then he skipped me. He just literally skipped me. So I stopped him and I said, I have something to say and I'd like to give you my opinion. And I think like everybody just kind of froze for a minute. <laughs> and I said what I wanted to say. <laughs> and they all listened. And I obviously like I, because I was organizing it and I knew exactly, you know, what was at stake and what they were trying to achieve in that meeting. I obviously said something that was intelligent um, because I knew what was at stake. And I think, you know, when you're sitting on a table, it's not just sitting on the table. It's about what you do with sitting on the table. It's about what you say when you're sitting on the table. And I think that's what matters. That is awesome. I think that is beautiful. And that's what's, you know, as much as we like to say what we would do in a situation like that, the fact of the matter is you did what you felt was right. And maybe I shouldn't have coined it and framed instead of coined it, but framed it in a way that, oh, you should be proud to just to sit at the table. No. I think the way you put it is just exactly right. Reminder. It's not about just being invited to the table. It's about how you impact and what you provide when you do bring when you do get the opportunity to sit at the table. And kudos to you for not letting that person just 
you know, control that scenario. And you definitely had a position of authority to be able to do that. And I am so proud to hear that, you know, just from just from somebody who have just met you. And obviously, this is what we able to do and find out about each other. And that's just a story I'll take with me and, you know, learn from experience when somebody potentially tries to do me like that. You know what I mean? So that's awesome. That is so awesome. I'll tell so, you, I, I, if I can just give you some feedback on that. I, I wouldn't say that I was in a position of authority um, because I did what I did. I was in a position of uh, just, you know, I was fearless. And I think when you are fearless, you end up achieving more because the right. worst that could have happened on that day is he could have said like, you know, he could have taken me to the side or fired me or whatever. I mean, I think the biggest fear that employees have in organizations is that they could be fired. And my answer to employees who feel that is so what? So what? It's a, re it's, it's a job, it's replaceable. I mean, again, the reason why I'm fearless is because I had no choice but to be fearless. I grew up during the war and when you grow up during the war, you become unconsciously fearless and you become strong. And so, but the other thing that you learn when you grow up during the war is that everything is replaceable. Jobs are replaceable, projects are replaceable, clients are replaceable, money is replaceable, everything is replaceable. And when you start feeling like that, you become automatically more bold, more fearless. And yeah, you just go out and I feel make stronger impact because you feel that, you know what, what's the worst that can happen? He's going to fire me? Okay, fine, fire me. I'll get another job. Not a big deal. <laughs> right. And thank you. And thank you for correcting me on that. And, you know, uh, even with my I have blind spots in the way that I talk as a man, you know, and I would I love that dialogue that you want to always like refocus it and say, hey, look, listen, this is maybe I wasn't I, I organized it, but I wasn't the boss, you know. And so you empowered yourself. You gave yourself not necessarily authority, but that fearlessness didn't allow you to think about what was to come to pass in the event that guy, that person didn't like how you approached that situation. And that fearlessness, people are, people are afraid to do that. You know what I mean? People are like, their, their livelihoods are on the, on, or in the balance when you talk about responding in the way you did. But I think the fact of the matter is, you, you know that you're replaceable, but your, your, your approach meant that you're okay with knowing that and then go ahead and doing it and i hats off to you for that so my next question is to you is how do you balance work and life and i know i think you kind of hinted on it earlier as far as being a mother but there's other balances that come because you got you got your husband you got your life you got your children and then you got your ambitions and goals and how they play out on a day-to-day -day basis uh just how do you kind of balance that um from somebody who's so driven and so uh will and um uh, oriented um so i'd say i'd balance it the same way as any man would balance it i, I would prioritize, <laughs> <laughs> I oh, prioritize on a daily basis i like that yeah i prioritize and i accept that you know there are times when i will lose business because I have to be with my kids and I'm okay with that. So, you know, when I first started my business, everybody was telling me, why don't you start an agency? You'll make much more money if you had an agency and, you know, people just want full 
full-fledged agencies and that's what you should do and I just couldn't do that because I had three kids and at the time my husband was living in a different country so I was more or less alone with three kids and I was like no I'm not gonna do that I mean let the agencies make their money and congrats to them but today that's not what I want and so I'm okay with losing business at times because I have to spend more time with my kids and I'm also okay with the fact that there are a lot of times that I'm going to lose out certain events with my kids and I explain that to them so for example uh, a lot of um, my kids friends moms organize play dates for them or take them out on things and my kids come to me and say oh mom you're not you know doing that for us as much as other moms do uh, for their kids and I explain you know like I'm I'm not necessarily like other moms. I'll do what I can and I do what I can. But I think it's all really about prioritizing and accepting, you know, what you can do. Um, because when you become, I found that the biggest difficulty faced as a mom is you tend to feel guilty all the time. You, If you work, you feel guilty that you're not with the kids. If you're with the kids, you feel guilty that you're not working. Uh, you're always constantly feeling guilty about everything. You feel guilty you're not with your husband, you feel guilty you're not spending time with your friends. And I think part of balance is learning to deal with the guilt. And that's what I try to kind of teach myself uh, with time. Mm. Time is a, the, the time and experience is the best teacher, right? Um, Absolutely. They yeah, they don't give you a rule book or a, a manual for each each child that's born or each scenario or failure that you go through. So I think you said it right, though, is the balance of the guilt, you know, and we have only a few emotions that really grab us, very complicated, I would say, but guilt is one of probably the biggest ones because you know in the back of your mind, you you may be spending time somewhere, but your mind is somewhere else, right? And how do you, yeah. how do you challenge that? I, you know, what's helped me, and I kind of got off of what I, my consistent patterns is meditation because you do you do apply guilt in a lot of um, your in a lot of different scenarios in life, especially when you have children. And I have one, and she'll be twelve her birthday, and she lives with her mother, so she, I don't God bless. see her a lot. Yeah, yeah. So I don't see her a lot. She's that's two and a half hours away from my locale. But the thing about it is, I get I get guilty the fact that I don't get to spend that time like some fathers do. You know. You know, what did I, how did I prior to my life where I wasn't the one that was, you know, tucking her in bed or reading her bedtime stories? And I get, I, I get guilty and hurt by that, you know? And I think about it every day. It's not a day that I don't go, that I don't think about her in a way that, how did I structure my life to where I wasn't the main focus? And so I had to, I got to balance that while trying to be an entrepreneur, you know? So this is about you and I just kind of, you know, wanted to tell my story in there, but I, 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 that hit a nerve for me as far as the way you said managing the guilt is probably the, one of the biggest things. So thank you for that. Um, and I guess that's- No, you're welcome. I yeah. think uh, I've learned, uh, I, so I've struggled with that ever since I had my kids. I, my daughter is almost 10. And, and ever since I've struggled with guilt until, right. um, I did an assignment once with a client in the motherhood space and I was writing, you know, certain things linked to motherhood and I kept coming across a campaign uh, that says, I'm enough, I'm enough, I'm enough. And so I'd write that over and over and I'm like, 
you know what yeah i am enough and i and that helped me deal with the guilt um because the guilt stems from the fact that you don't feel like you're doing it right and when you realize that you're actually doing enough what you're doing the reason why you're doing everything that you're doing is to provide for her and so what you're doing is enough it's okay it may not be perfect but what is perfect life is not perfect either i mean everybody has their own challenges and their own problems and they're all like you know life is hard it's not easy and i think once you realize that what you're doing is enough it may not be perfect but it's enough then that kind of helps you overcome the guilt or it wow. just helps me yeah so this is therapeutic in a way so thank you <laughs> if it, i don't think it'd be a good podcast <laughs> if it wasn't you know i don't think people would get value <laughs> I, i know for a fact people are going to give value out of this this particular one so what is what is your after coming from such a heavy 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 uh topic right there what is your five-year plan what does that kind of look like for stories and your website and your you know uh the coaching part of telling stories and helping businesses figure that out so i'd say if i was to break that up i'd break it up into three things which are a mix of personal and professional Uh, just because I always position myself as a mix of both. Uh, so first and foremost, um, my five-year plan is to make sure that you know I stay on top of my game as a mom to my kids. And uh, these are critical years that my kids are going through, uh, especially my daughter who's you know about to become 18. Um, so I'd like to make sure that in the next five years that I'm doing the best that I can to raise resilient and healthy and happy kids that make an impact in this world. Um, so so that's first and foremost. The second thing that I'd say is uh, also not, not necessarily very linked to my business, but a mix of both business and professional is to work on my personal brand. And the re- reason why I say that is because I a lot of my background or a lot of my, you know, my history helping other brands build Um, and other brands and other companies rather than you know work on my personal brand and I decided this year that I would uh, actually shift that and I would work a bit more on my personal brand that includes writing a book that includes um, just focusing on influencing others uh, for the positive as much as I can so doing this podcast is an example of something that helps my personal brand but more importantly that you know hopefully influences another person and hopefully you know inspires them to act in a more positive way so so that would be the second one and last um whether it's in my business or back in corporate or whatever it is my ultimate objective is to make sure that i continue to create impact because my impact is one of my top three values Um, And I'd like to make sure that I continue doing that, but on scale. So one of the issues that I've had in my businesses, in the way I've set up my business, is that I haven't been able to scale, um, just given the the model that I've used. And what I would love to do in the future is to actually create that on a bigger scale. Mm, That's awesome. And I think every startup or every business have that right the growing pains i know i'm dealing with them now i've actually you know added an employee but i think how you're structuring your five years from now 
is based on family kind of first is what I gathered, especially during the most sensitive times during your children's lives. That's that's awesome. And I think that's a, the greatest way. And hopefully I get the opportunity to do that as well, especially my daughter has a, about six years before she's 18. So blessings to you. And, you know, I'll keep y'all in my prayers for sure um, as that Thank transition takes. Yeah, absolutely. As that transition takes place, because we all know being people, I'm you know 36. So I know, you know, being a teenager before it is tough. It's tough to ha have life you know, the social life and the real life impact you in which direction you go. So the family becomes that much more important to lean on. So awesome. That's awesome. So if, as far as scaling go, hey, you'll figure it out. I think the best thing for me is asking people who have scaled before, you know. So that would be my only suggestion. Not that you wanted my suggestion. I don't be giving suggestions if you ain't asked for them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's that that's that man blind spot that, you know, because I, I got a feeling you'll call me out on that. Like, let me let me correct you, Carl. I don't need your suggestion for one. <laughs> let me ask you for your suggestion. I do, I do. Oh, I do, okay. I do. I, I felt out of place. I felt out of place there. So uh, <laughs> so uh, my next question would be, what's something that the uh, like the main digital media don't know about you, like that you're comfortable with sharing as far as, you know, I know you've done a TEDx and you've been on many platforms. What is something that you don't too often share that you're OK with sharing? like a challenge that you may face or success story? I'd say I think that the thing that many don't know about me is that I'm new to social media because I used to be completely against social media. I actually sat, um, it's crazy, but I sat in a conference about a year ago and um, I was answering a question and I was like, people like Mother Teresa never had social media so why do I need to be on social media I believe in living a life of impact and therefore I don't need social media so I was always bashing social media and always against uh, social media uh -oh. and all of a sudden in Feb I've switched completely so people must think I'm a complete like lunatic <laughs> because I sat on stage saying the opposite a year ago but yeah I woke up in um, in Jan this year and a few things happened that made me switch to social media um, one of them is watching a uh, video by Gary Vee where he said that he does these videos because he wanted to leave record for his kids so that one day they can watch all of these videos and know what he stood for, know what he thinks, know how he thinks and, and it just kind of hit me because I didn't have a video to leave behind for my kids and I'm like oh my god like I, what if I die tomorrow and I'm terrified of death, absolutely terrified of death. I'm fearless in life but terrified of death. Wow. Um, so I said, you know, I, I need to have a video. And so the best video I could do was a TEDx talk. And that's how I whole I started my whole journey. I did the TEDx talk and from there just went on social media. My first post on Instagram was in Jan 31st of this year. And then I started on LinkedIn putting out um, posts more regularly. And yeah, it just went on, just kind of grew really quickly from there. And now I... You know, I think it's been going really well. I have a lot of people who collaborate with me, who mention me. I mention a lot of people and I'm usually in full active mode. I took some time off this summer, but I'll be um, crazy active starting in September. Yeah, well, and I was the same way about two years ago. No, I kid you not. I was like, you know, I, I, I coined the phrase smartphones make people dumb. Which is, it has, some it has some merit to it, in my opinion. But also, I, used, I, I told my now wife, 
and my family back in the day when they first came out smartphones. I said people necks are starting gonna people are gonna have neck problems because the way they look at their phones. And that's becoming to to fruition right now. I'm like calling these things out, but I'm one of those people now, right? <laughs> I got neck issues from looking down at my phone. Uh, not any serious issues, but it's just a metaphorical speaking of how much we are on them. And I'm just like you, I like you know what? I'm about to get all in because I see the impact. Uh, not even from a monetary standpoint, um, because that will come. But I, my, I'm like, yeah, I wanna, I wanna impact people on a positive, uh, inclined level, like a higher vibration, in a sense that we're all, you know, just energy here in the universe, and we can impact each other based on our energy signature and make that energy signature positive. Because it could be other, the other way around. So I think uh, that is great to know that you wasn't, you weren't buying. And you weren't drinking the the social media Kool-Aid to say for better than <laughs> <laughs> I no don't doubt. actually am now. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, and you know what? That's how we met, right? Now it, it's Absolutely. creating these. And, yeah, and I would, for all, everybody I've ever done a podcast with, I always on my social platforms, I, I mention them, I add them, and then I follow them and, and interact with their content because I think that's a value add because I'm leveraging my platform to support you and, and what you do and, and moving forward for like eternity right or however long i'm here i think that's so much value there so and don't expect i don't expect it in return i think that's just something that i do so what um i think it's my last question we're almost we're getting close to the end and it's been such a great and i really thank you for taking the time out to come on um it's been a really great podcast but what is your biggest takeaway while being in the corporate world what is it like the biggest thing that you you would you would share with those people who are trying to get into the corporate world man or woman you know they both of them can learn from you that are trying to get in yeah um i think um it's like a jungle the corporate world is like a jungle (laughs) (laughs) all I say is that if you choose to go into the corporate world it's a beautiful world if you are able to find somebody that supports you and that inspires you and if you're able to find a company that resonates with you and that has a beautiful purpose in life and when you do uh, with purpose and work with purpose of what you do then I think you're able to do great things I mean maybe if I look back on my favorite jobs or my favorite clients that I've had, clients that companies that had purpose that wanted to make impact, but also combo of that, but also a boss that genuinely wanted to make impact and wanted to inspire employees. Um, and I think when you have that combo, because it's hard to get that combo, right? Like you made a really good boss, but not necessarily a great corporate, or a really good corporate, but not necessarily a great boss. And I think if you get a really good corporate, but not a great boss, I think it's okay to hang again, because, you know, bosses change with time, as long as it doesn't touch your integrity. Um, uh, and as long as you continue working with purpose and keep the big picture in mind. Otherwise, I'd say just run, run as fast as you can. <laughs> Find <laughs> another company that resonates with you or just do your own thing or whatever. I mean, I, I, I believe it or not, although I'm on my own now, I wouldn't even mind going back to 
corporate as long as I have the right leader that inspires me. I don't mind as long as I have, you know, a company that's making social impact. I just want to be around people that are making an impact and making a change. So to give you an example, if I was to say, if somebody was to say, would you go work with Gary? I like Gary V. I would work with Gary V. You see what I mean? Because he inspires me. Um, so as long as you're working with a person that inspires you or a corporate that inspires you and that's making a change in the world, then then go for it. Yeah. And I like Gary V too. And that's he's I wrote an article on him and actually on my LinkedIn page. Um, him being one of the top influencers in 2018. But yeah, no, um, this is awesome. That's awesome. And that you know your purpose. You I think if somebody were listening right now and, and they were trying to get into corporate America, um, whether they're in the States or in the Middle East or anywhere in the world, you know, know your purpose and know what your values are. I think that's the biggest thing that I hear from the takeaway, um, because like you said, you may get in. It's hard to get both the best world, the best company and the best boss. But you got to weigh your what you want to sacrifice before you make a move. And that's in those who you you're sacrificing for. And I really, really thoroughly agree with you 100%. And I've really thoroughly uh, enjoyed this this podcast, even in light of some of the uh, technical difficulties we had in the beginning. Um, so the last thing I'd like to ask people, like, where, how, where can people find you? What's your website? Um, where are you on social? Like the whole information and contact, this would be the great time for you to kind of let people know where they can potentially find you and sure. engage with your content. Yeah, so I have two websites. I have a personal website, which is just my name, lubnaforsley.com. I have a company website, which is stories.co.ae, and I'm most active on LinkedIn. Um, I try to put out content on a regular basis. So I'd say the best place to connect with me would be to start with LinkedIn. Um, and if they're not active on LinkedIn, and then to just contact me on my email, which they can find on my website. I am also, I do have accounts, other social accounts, like Instagram, um, but I have like 400 followers there. So if they want to be the number 401, by all means, <laughs> with pleasure, they can follow me there. <laughs> but I'm more than happy to, you know, coordinate with anyone on any of my social media platforms. Oh, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. Well, would you so Lubna is right right or is it Lubna 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 I want to make sure I got that um thank you so much for coming on to the ground 1.0 and sharing your story um I'm I I know this thing is so high for you and the impact that you want to have not only in your immediate circle but the the world so what would be some parting statements that you'd like to make for people to go and use and take as an action call to action that Lubna would give them as a consultant and as a game changer, as a trailblazer? Uh, the call to action that I say to everyone is to focus your time and energy on, irrepla on irreplaceable things rather than replaceable things because the majority of us spend our time on things that are replaceable. And I know it's not easy and I know it's hard because we have to make a living and we have to pay our bills. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, there's um, a guy called Dwayne Dyer who has a beautiful quote which says, don't die with music in you. So don't die with music in you. Focus on the irreplaceable and focus on living and working with purpose. And somehow, some way, trust that the money and everything else will come. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. It was an honor.
And it was a privilege to have you. I really appreciate it um, for you for coming on. Thank you so, so much. I enjoyed it. Like, I'm all fired up. It's like 10 o'clock at night, my time, and I'm all awake, and <laughs> I could go on for hours. <laughs> well, you know, I try to make it uh, an hour. This is a little bit less than an hour. Um, so I I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I'll be, I'll be keeping in touch, okay? I hope it doesn't give you a hard time with the editing, huh? No, I think it'll be okay. We'll be all right. Okay. All right. All right. Perfect. Take care. Keep me posted. Thanks so much. I will. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. You too. Story yesterday.